San Diego native Bertha Loriza is about to meet the man who saved her life. On August 4th, 1985, Bertha was three years old when her mother jumped off the Coronado Bridge with Bertha in her arms. The fall killed 24-year-old Angelica Gomez, but thanks to fishermen who flagged down the harbor police, Bertha was resuscitated by Stephen Lamar. His quick actions saved her life and may save others, as Bertha is pushing for better protections on the bridge to protect jumpers. This holiday season, Bertha will share a meal with Stephen, a reunion under much better circumstances. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. John Wilkins, you cover a number of things at the Union Tribune, and there's going to be a reunion of two people whose lives were connected by fate, it seems, pretty soon. Let's start what happened back in 1985. Explain that tragedy. Yeah, so it's a Sunday afternoon. Uh, uh, A young mother parks her green pinto on the Coronado Bridge, reaches into the car, takes her three-year-old daughter, and jumps off the side. Mm Mm-hmm. And the mother, the mother did not survive the fall, but the daughter did. A three-year-old Bertha survived um, in large part, uh, well, in significant part because of the efforts of the harbor mm-hmm. police officer, the pro- patrol boat that was called to the bridge and, uh, and uh, helped revive her. Yeah, it seems like she was incredibly lucky. How do you survive that kind of fall? Well, uh, there's a lot of speculation, but the mother held on to her all the way down, and Mm -hmm. so the doctors speculated. She survived in part because the mother took the brunt of the impact. Uh, And Bertha was significantly injured, a serious eye injury and a leg injury. Mm -hmm. It took her a a number of months to recover. Yeah, certainly. So as Bertha lived her life growing up in San Diego, she didn't always know the kind of tragedy that she went through. Explain how she discovered what happened to her and her mother. Yeah, so she uh, she has no memory of the of the plummet off the bridge. Uh, there's speculation she may have been sleeping in the car when her mm-hmm. mother grabbed her, but she grew up not knowing about it, and as children will do, she kind of filled in the blanks herself. Uh, she grew up in her grandmother's home. There, there was They didn't talk about what had happened, so Bertha believed that it had been a car accident that mm-hmm. had killed her mother. And uh, it wasn't until she was 17 and she came across a VHS tape that included uh, television coverage of the incident uh, uh, where she started to to put the pieces together and, and realize what had happened. Mm-hmm. And it was the quick response of the Harbor Police that really saved her life. So let's talk about the other side of the story. What was this event like for Stephen? Yeah, Stephen Lemaire. So he he really wasn't even supposed to be at the bridge that day. He was supposed to be patrolling a different area of the bay, but another boat had broken down, so he and his partner were called to help them. And on the way, they were called over to the bridge. And he was a pretty young patrol officer. I think he was about 25. He'd only been on the job for nine months or so. And uh, so he went there expecting it to be an adult who had gone off the bridge. And, and that's the first thing he saw was some uh, a guy in the water with the mother. Mm-hmm. And then he gets there and somebody says, oh, we have another victim and, it, and it's a child. So he immediately started CPR and giving her oxygen. And uh, he, he uh, distinctly remembers her eyes opening and looking at him. Uh, in terror and then uh, going unconscious again. So mm-hmm. he continued those life-saving efforts for a number of minutes while they took her to uh, to a pier, um, and then she was handed off to an uh, ambulance uh, 
uh, technicians who then took her to the hospital. And and he knew sort of um, in a roundabout way that she had survived because of the news coverage at the time. Mm-hmm. But he never he never saw her again. And um, he went on with his life, jobs in other places, and and was haunted for some time by some nightmares of that uh, that episode. Yeah, I can't imagine what that's like to experience a tragedy, but at the same time have a role in saving someone's life like that. It's it almost sounds like a Hallmark movie, really. Yeah, and so you kind of, as you might imagine, you kind of wonder off and on about what might have happened to her, and then so he he never really talked about it much with his coworkers, but then earlier this year he he had an occasion where it where it was natural in the conversation to bring it up, and he talked mm-hmm. about it, and that got him thinking about. Bertha, and he started looking online, and he came across our story that we did in 2018, which at that time, Bertha had decided it was time for her to sort of come forward and share her story. Mm-hmm. She had, through the course of therapy and other other means, sort of come to grips with the central question for her, which is, why did my mother take me with her? And she, she kind of reached a conclusion that... Um, her mother was suffering from depression, mm-hmm. and that in this dark hour, she had somehow gotten it into her mind that the very best way to protect her daughter was to take her with her. So Bertha has come forward as an advocate for mental health awareness and also as an advocate for putting uh, suicide barriers on the bridge, which is why we wrote about her in, uh, in 2018, and Stephen saw that story, and, and so in that roundabout way, uh, the two of them uh, got connected. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the plan for the meetup? I mean, I imagine this is going to be an emotional time for both of them. Yeah, I think it will be. And Stephen uh, lives in Nevada now where he's an investigator for the state of Nevada. And he's coming to town with his wife at the conclusion of a cruise. Mm-hmm. And so they, uh, he and Bertha have made plans uh, to get together for dinner. And uh, I imagine uh, both of them told me they expect it to be quite an emotional time. So Certainly. And, uh, you know, it's one of those miracles that... It's strange. It's like sometimes these things happen and you never like have a chance to experience the aftermath while this is a truly powerful moment for both of these individuals kind of seeing their fates come together once again. Yeah, uh, Bertha describes it as sort of coming full circle. You know, she's been over the years trying to put together these pieces of her story to bring the picture of her life into focus. And she sees this as another another sort of critical link in that effort. Mm-hmm. And when you describe some of Bertha's advocacy, because in the past year and a half, she really has stepped forward as someone who's willing to speak about the, the realities of mental illness sometimes. Yeah, and the consequences of mental illness, right? Uh, if, if it, it, Suicide happens for, a, for any number of a variety of reasons, but if you were to draw one through line through many of them, it's, it's mental illness. And so she is trying to um, reduce the stigma that uh, naturally attaches itself to suicide, the shame that a lot of people families feel about that and she's trying to get people to talk about it in normal ways and she's she's heard from a number of people that it has uh, broken the ice and in those families well people feel more comfortable talking about it she has started a um, survivors of suicide loss group for Spanish speakers mm-hmm. which has kind of been a, a, a vacuum in this community uh, uh, so that happens uh, once a month down in Otay Mesa West uh, she's received a couple of awards from local mental health awareness groups, including a Stigma Buster Award from a national organization. So she is someone who's kind of coming forward and becoming a face of this issue in San Diego County. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's worth noting that, like, even though among perhaps more educated and affluent circles, there's more discussion about mental illness in more minority groups, 
the conversation isn't the same as it is in some other spaces. Yeah, I think there are some cultural differences there. And I think uh, her feeling was that among Spanish speakers uh, who had suffered a suicide loss in their families, there really was no opportunity for them to talk about it in their in their natural language. So mm-hmm. she's, she, this is an important uh, avenue for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And you've also written previously about the problem of suicides on the Coronado Bridge. Can you give us a sense of the scope of how frequently this happens and what's being done to prevent it? Well, it's uh, they're, they're over. I haven't looked at the count recently. It's over 400 since the bridge opened in 1969. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the peak, in the heaviest years, it's been 16, 17, close to 20 a year. Um, it's now it's gotten to the point where there's been some momentum building to get something done. Uh, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, which is which is probably the worldwide the largest suicide magnet in the world, they're doing something about that. There, they're building nets, mm-hmm. uh, steel nets at the about 20 feet below the bridge deck. So uh, there's some concern in the community that the San Diego Coronado Bridge may soon become the the largest uh, site of suicide leaps off bridges in the world. So. Um, in addition to just the tragedy of uh, the human loss there, there's some concern about what that says about the community and whether there's a willingness to try to address that. So um, earlier this year, Caltrans put uh, a temporary measure up. They put uh, short, what are known as bird spikes, the kind, mm-hmm. of, the kind of spikes you would put on your roof to keep pigeons from roosting. They put those on, on the bridge in an attempt at a sort of temporary deterrent while they study some longer-term plans that would involve uh, fencing or glass barriers, uh, plexiglass barriers. So mm-hmm. they're, doing, they're doing all the evaluation of that. And the big hurdle with that will be money. Certainly. And I suppose the largest criticism to any kind of installation like this is, well, this is a symptomatic approach. It's not doing anything to help people get the care and help they need. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you hear some people say, well, Amar, the beauty of the bridge. Uh, some people say, well, if you if you put up a barrier there, they'll just go jump somewhere else. Although there's a number, there are a number of studies that suggest that is not the case. Um, but, yeah, yeah, we'll just have to see all that how that plays out over time. But I, it won't be an easy process. But there does appear to be, after decades of talking about it, uh, some momentum in that mm-hmm. direction. And going back to Bertha, does she have any strong feelings on what should be done about the bridge? Well, she thinks there should be a barrier uh, mm-hmm. of some kind. Uh, she even a, even uh, a temporary one of some sort, a smaller one. You know, there's only a 34-inch wall on either, along either side. It's not much of a of anything to stop somebody from going over. So she supports that idea uh, and thinks even if you could save one life, it would be worth it. Mm-hmm. All right, John Wilkins. Thank you so much. Thank you. In other news. Hoping to bring smiles to the faces of migrant children stuck at the border, volunteers handed out holiday presents Tuesday morning, aiming to ease the growing disappointment and frustration that no asylum seekers were permitted to cross during the holiday. The metering policy means that typically less than a dozen people are allowed to cross, beginning their asylum cases. The line is several thousand people long. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m., On weekday mornings, you can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get the Flash Briefing as a podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrib.com slash podcasts. Until next time.